Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. For your blessings in our life, we give you thanks that we are on your timeline. We are the matter of your thoughts, Lord. We are the substance of your thoughts. You care for us. You think of us. You watch over our ways. We pray, Lord, that this morning we might attend to your voice, that we might hear your heart, that our lives might be transformed in your presence. We give you thanks, Lord, for a place to come and listen and contemplate the beauty of the Lord. We pray that these words would not just be words that fall on uh, empty hearts, Lord. We pray that your words would come inside of us and find residence And dwell therein, Lord, so we might be transformed in our understanding, that we might be transformed in our thinking, that we might be transformed in our words. Lord, now is the time for the church to arise and to shine and to be who you've called her to be, Lord, on the world platform, Lord, as kingdoms perish, as economies uh, um, tumble, Lord. Let your church arise. Let it arise, Father God, and shine For you have come and your presence is with us, O God. Allow us to walk in your ways and our children to serve and acknowledge you and to stand up as a banner in this generation, Lord, as light and salt of the earth, O God. Allow us to have the fruitfulness of your vine. Allow us that while other vines, Father God, are are failing and withering, Lord, not a leaf shall fall, Father God. Our leaf shall not wither, Lord. Not a leaf shall fall, God but that we might be fruitful in this season and that you, Father God, through this fruitfulness might be glorified. We pray, O God, for a powerful impartation of your spirit this morning, O God, of your word, of your increase, of your prosperity and success in all things, Lord. We give you thanks in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, um, ever, whenever that I feel that there's a condition in my life that causes me to weary and to be concerned, I I return to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. In our order of creation, God blessed our existence. Man is a blessed reality. The Bible says God blessed them and God spoke words over them. Now, this is what created all things to take proper form and prosperity in the beginning Whatever God spoke, that's what came of whatever he spoke. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And he created all things from the beginning. But when it gets to the part of man, he blesses man. So you say, I don't need blessing. I am a blessing. Can you say that? I don't need God to bless me. I'm the blessing. And with my blessing, wherever I go, I impart that power of God. And God said to them, be fruitful. And this is, this is really powerful. I, I need you to underline fruitful. Uh, circle that word fruitful. Because the immediacy of our existence has nothing to do with ourselves. A tree is not fruitful for himself. A, a, uh, a, an organization does not prosper unto itself. Walmart is not a powerful reality because it is serving itself the key to world changing fruitfulness is to get our mind off ourselves 
And so God gave us an instrumentality about this huge. You guys see this over here? This is our victory. That get yourself off yourself. Because if all you are is consumed on yourself, and that's the devil's specialty, you will not be fruitful. In fact, I will say that you will be sterile and barren. You will carry no fruit if all you are is consumed with yourself. And so from the beginning, God says, be fruitful. And that right there exists that the purpose of your existence is for others. You might think that we are traveling the nations to cater to ourselves. No, it really is not about ourselves, especially when you go into these nations to serve them, that they might be fruitful. And they will be fruitful as they get off themselves and start thinking of others. So that is the key to fruitfulness, the denying of yourself. As soon as you do that, you get into the category of multiplication, of increase. You'll see the Bible says, and he said to them, be fruitful, and if you deny yourself, you will multiply at measures of the earth. God doesn't have small measures. I know you're thinking about your bank account and how meager it is, but God is thinking about the warehouses upon the earth, that you are the wealth of the nations. You are the increase of others. And so he says, therewith, you will take it under your leadership. Again, leaders are for the benefit of who? Others. They're serving others. They're laying their lives, and and even as we serve, the more we rise up in our calling, the more others benefit. And there is the heart of God. And also in Genesis 9-7, He reminded them that they were to be fruitful, multiply, increase greatly upon the earth, and multiply in it. And so I, I want to know if this morning you understand that you are not about yourselves, that you are about others, that you have been called. And this strikes us as really weird because I came here this morning to see if I can find a word for me. If God was going to speak to me, and all of a sudden God is speaking to you, but for the benefit of others. That you just be that conduit as you receive, you are thinking about those that surround your life. And what is sown into your life that makes you fruitful, all fruit starts with a seed. And the seed is the Word of God. And you're receiving it this morning. And when we come to the Lord, we are usually super self-absorbed. It's all about me, myself, and I. It's all about what is going on as per my thoughts. This being stuck on you is immaturity. It's, it's horrible. And you'll see that those who had this mindset throughout the Scriptures were totally, totally stripped and, and lost of all blessings from God. The first young man who, who God asked, where is your brother? He says, am I my brother's keeper? Why do you care about other people through me? And he, he strongly gives him a witness to say, listen, um, your anger and your depression 
is the result of only thinking about you. You're, you're feeling the rejection that you feel is an expression of your heart and no, no other heart. And, and we see that in Genesis. Um, we could start reading in uh, chapter... Let me see if I find it here real quick. Um, Genesis chapter 4. And, and he says, why are you... Verse 9. The Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? Let me ask you a question this morning. Where are your family members? Where are your nephews and nieces and cousins and uncles and brothers and sisters? Where are they? As well, Lord, I'm here. Well, you are a conduit and a blessing to these people, to your neighbor, to your employees. And your fruitfulness as you ask God to increase and expand the work of God in your life, it's not about you in the end result. Obviously, you are the garden. You are the vine. He's the vine. You're the branches. The fruit that you will bear are for those around you. As they eat of your fruit, what are they tasting? When, when somebody eats of your Christianity, your experience, my church, my walk with God, my ministry, my calling, I, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible that the giftings of the Lord are self-inducive. They're not, they're not for self. And he says this in John chapter 15, verse 8. My Father is glorified as you bear fruit. And your fruitfulness will talk that you are my followers. In this, my Father is greatly seen, is, is greatly Lifted up. Magnified. How? In your capacity to bear fruit. As I was walking through Ecuador, I saw the fruits of that nation. They had wheelbarrows full of strawberries, about four inches big. And they were walking with the fruit through the city. And I was salivating. I wanted to take a bite. Well, what do people see? In your Christianity, what do they see in your walk with God? Do you stop? Do you share? Do you let them taste and see that the Lord is good? Do you witness to them something that will cause them to, to see the Father? By what? By the fruit. One of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible, Jesus comes out of the temple. He sees a fig tree with many leaves and no fruit. And so he curses that tree. We don't want that as a result. But I want to tell you the consequences of isolating yourself, of being self-withdrawn, self-absorbed, is automatically full of things that are not from the Lord. He says, what you have that didn't multiply, didn't increase, even that which you have shall be taken away. That portion of God, that portion of His Spirit, that portion of the life. My Father is glorified by you bearing much fruit. And then people can tell that you're one of my followers. In verse 16 of that same chapter, John 15, 16, 
He says, remember, you didn't choose me. You didn't come from the outside to tell me what to do. I chose you. And I chose you with a distinct purpose. I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that this fruit should remain. I appointed you to go and bear fruit. And so I'm reminded that as the Word of God issues forth, the presence of God, the Spirit of God comes upon your life as a seed, as a harvest, as something that God is sowing into your life, there should be that fruit. Galatians 5.22, this should be the character of your life. This is the fruit, single, of the Spirit. And then the manifold or the manifestation, the variety of flavors from the fruit. And the flavors are love. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Characterized by denying yourself. Isn't that the greatest form of love? That, that worrying about others, that, that thinking, that taking the time to say, what is your problem? We're not, we're, not, uh, you know, we're not overwhelmed with what our condition is. There's no way that, that I can be thinking of myself as I serve uh, the church, as I serve the body of Christ, as I uh, serve the nations. There's no way. When we go to these countries, uh, we're not telling them, this is what we need from you. This is what we're lacking. Uh, I'm carrying this huge burden. I, I can't withstand it. No, no. We are totally free in the abundance and fruitfulness of the Lord. And now we're offering others this unconditional love, fruit of the Spirit. It would be great for us to say we've received the Spirit of God so we can feel loved by, you know, the Spirit. The Spirit comes to me and now, oh man, I feel, I feel good now. See, that, that love comes so that you can love others. Love the unlovable sacrifice, uh, pour out the same thing Christ, we see Him. Even while we were yet sinners, He loved us. And so this fruit of the Spirit is for the benefit of those that are outside of us that are unlovable. The next is the joy. God's joy is not based on my receiving a uh, full measure of joy for me, for, for many Christians. I, I would say a great majority of Christians says, Spirit of the living God, come upon me so that I can feel, you know, more loved. And then you walk out and you say, man, that, that felt so good. Now I'm going home. That was, sh- don't bother me. Don't, don't molest me. Don't come around. Just let me feel that I'm loved. Ay, que rico. And, and, and you, oh, I ran out. Let me go get some more Spirit of God so that I can feel loved. That's self-absorbed, sinful selfishness. And we see that the people who walked in that character in the Bible were totally destroyed. As Judas came up to form part of the twelve, it was all about himself. What can I get out of this experience with Jesus? Seeing that he was not going to take a government position, he sold them for 30 pieces of silver. Let me get something out of this relationship. Simon the magician says, can I buy the spirit so that I can have the strength and the power that I see you guys laying hands on people and 
and letting that power reside in me. The next, the next fruit of the Spirit is peace. And, and now here's the question. Are you flowing in love towards the unlovable, towards the outcast? Are you giving your joy to those that don't have joy? Are you raising them up? That's what is happening. Peace and tranquility. Uh, many people want to go into a cave and become a monk or a nun and says, you know, if I could have peace, let the world go to hell in a handbasket. I'm, I'm not concerned with making sure that others can taste the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not offering this fruit to others. Patience. That's another word for uh, putting up with unfair treatment. The fruit of kindness. The fruit of goodness. The fruit of faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these things are a smorgasbord laid out through you for, say, others. Others. Those people that are around me. Especially of my own household. Um, I had an experience there in Ecuador and I was thinking as, as we Christians fantasize about going into the Aborigine uh, indigenous tribes. People that have you know, nose piercings and huge earrings and, and they're going around with spears and we're like, we're going to go win them for Christ. And then around others in modern society, our patience level is thin. We don't have a smile for anybody that crosses our path that doesn't, uh, doesn't treat us right, doesn't look right. We're willing to go and die in a village but amongst ourselves, we are savages. And there is no love. There is no joy. There is no peace. Um, I've seen some beheadings take place in the Spirit. We're quick to grab our sword and, and, and just, just break apart in these relationships. But the Bible says, let nothing. Let's read that, Philippians 2.3. Make sure that your Christianity is not about yourself seeking Nothing other than to put your mind on selfish ambition. Philippians 2.3 Let nothing be done out of a personal pursuit of selfish ambition, conceit. Instead of be lowly in mind, esteem others better than yourselves, serving others. And Romans 2.8 says those that are self-seeking reject truth. And this is, this is the hallmark. Get what I'm saying. We want to be fruitful. The very first truth in being fruitful is we need to stop thinking about ourselves. We need to stop serving ourselves. This is why the church is so dynamic. Everything done in church is done for others. I was, we were meeting with a youth group. Uh, Kenny and Omar are serving our young people. How many know they're doing a great job? And, and then I asked my question, who is serving them? Who is serving Kenny and, and Omar so that they might serve? And, and there's, there's a lapse of people saying, Pastor, um, I realize that, that there's a lot of responsibility in being able to reach our youth. Can I participate and so they're they're looking for people to serve on friday and saturday nights to help with the sound equipment to be present and then you have some people says well i can't why because it's all about me 
I didn't feel like coming to tonight. I, it, you know, if it's not about me, I'm not going to come. And, and that's why church is so dynamic, because everything being done here is to serve one another. Some of you don't understand that, that your faithfulness and offerings and tithes is not about uh, the church as a building. It's look to you, the person next to you. Each one of us are serving our children. Um, after youth group, there's food that we feed the young people, and, and that also is a participation to, to lay down our lives. Now, the, the structure of the church to serve one another is that we might raise up to serve the nations. You don't go to these nations to tell them what uh, they're to do for you. You're there to serve them and at, at real powerful uh, capacities. Romans 2.8, for those who are self-seeking, Reject truth. They only follow after the things that are not right. There's judgment, indignation, and wrath. There's consequences to having that mindset. And let me tell you something. When we meet Jesus, the only thing we want to do is to be in His presence. I'm reminded of Luke 8.38 when a demon-possessed man, and many of us were in that character, are totally stripped from our demons, and we say, Jesus, we want to follow you. Romans 8.38, a man whose demons had gone out kept begging and praying, Lord, let me just be close to you. Let me follow you. Let me be in your presence. And you know what Jesus told him? He says, yeah, this is great, but you have family members that are demon-possessed. Did I say Romans? Luke 8.38. Luke 8.38. You know, what we have received has healed my parents' marriage. Guess what? I'm going to the whole earth telling the world that there is liberty for the captive. There is restoration for those that are broken. And so this man whom demons had departed asked that he might stay with Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, that would be great for you and I to have a great little relationship. But guess what? Verse 39, go back to your own house and tell them, serve them by showing them the way, expressing the great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout, not only his family, the guy got a vision, the whole city. He started spreading the wealth. How about you? Well, I'm embarrassed, you know, because God has done all these great things for me, but I, I can't proclaim, I can't serve, I can't shine, I can't be fruitful. I can't give to others what I've been given. And so we see that he went and departed and proclaimed. I, I'm, I, I can't wait. And I know some of you are like that. I know that, that Ariel would have brought the whole football team, you know, from FIU. Just say, hey, look what God has done for me. Look what God is doing in my life. And so when we all get a picture of the heart of God in world-changing fruitfulness, this is not about self-seeking, a personal devotion. I have my morning devotions all by myself. Why don't you cross town and ask somebody? And I guarantee the most, the most frail amongst you has enough light to turn this city upside down. The most limited amongst you that begin to share that which God has put into your bosom is going to be a powerful thing. I never thought I would, I would leave Miami. Never. 
but began to share what God has done for me. Began to give unto others the measure of what God has given me. And it's multiplied and it's, it's increased. It's filling the earth. And that's what God wants to do with His people. Return to your home. Tell them of the great things God has done for you. And he says he went and the whole city, the guy, the guy caught it. He was able to understand that his liberty, his being set free was not for himself. Ay, que rico. Now I feel better. Ooh, that's like a personal massage. No. Go and give somebody that refreshing. Go and give somebody what God is giving you. The same thing happened with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. I'm reminded that, that she didn't even think that it was even possible to be able to reach the depth of her depravity and needs, her loneliness. And here God uh, satisfies her thirst and she goes into the city. She goes into the city and comes out with a proclamation of come and see, come and hear. John 4, 39. Many of those in that city believed on him for the sayings of the woman which testify. He answered all my questions. He told me all that I ever needed, all that I ever did. This was, this was a supply. I, I want to increase the measure of, of what's going on here. God, great portions to you. How are your portions to others? Crumbs. Just the ones that fall off the table incidentally. No, it's not to be. Start a huge feasting table that they might try the lavish love that God has poured out upon you so that the whole city might come. I want to be known, and, and the first thing I did in my law practice when I started practicing law, well, you know why I had a law practice? Can you answer why? Because God. You can answer all your questions because God. So I went out and I, I bought a big fish. And I said, everybody in Miami is going to see that Christ is the one that restored my life. And they would come in for a legal counsel, and I would say, time out. You know, this, I'm not going to charge you for this part. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about my God. And some people says, I'm not interested. Fine, they weren't interested. But many were interested, and many were yearning for the peace and the love and the joy that was lavishly poured out on my life. And so being able to transfer that is what I want to be known by in this city. Not, not a, a, a successful businessman whose son turns gay, whose daughter becomes a lesbian, who, who has a wealthy bank account but doesn't talk to his children. That's not who we are. That's not what we're to strive for. That is a poor, wretched man. But God has given us the wealth and the increase of His presence, His peace, His joy, His love. How will we be so selfish to just keep it in ourselves? And sometimes we, we look at the selfish acts in Matthew 16, 22, And God, Jesus says, my life has been given as a ransom for many. My very life is so that many might live. And you know what? Peter comes over to him and rebukes him and says, Lord... Don't think so small of yourself. Don't, don't, don't be so deprived to be, you know, to, to, to just be lavish. You know, think about yourself, Lord. And all of a sudden, Jesus tells him these words that will make anybody freak out. He says, hey, devil, get away from me. Get thee behind me. 
Get thee behind me, Satan. You have no idea that your thinking of preserving self would be my very destruction. Me thinking of me, myself, and I walking like Satan, walking in pride, walking in isolation is, is the very thoughts of a poor, wretched devil. And, and you do not want to think in that mindset. Whatever God gives, whatever God bestows, whatever God has lavished upon you, make sure that that is the very proclamation to the nations. Look what the Lord has done. Look what God desires upon your life. And He says, you're a stumbling stone. You're keeping people from God. For you're, just, you're not mindful of the things of God. You don't think like God. You think like men. Anything God has given me is for huge resources unto others. And the more I give, what happens? The more God bestows. Uh, You know, our schedule, we say our schedule is tight. We can barely fit. Listen to me. Tear your schedules open for God. And you'll see how God will tear open your schedule for this world. Begin to think with a larger mindset. And not like the devil, me, myself, and I. And that rebuke was well worth it. I'm reminded also of Judas. We already talked about Ananias and Sapphira, Acts 5.3. They reduced what God had given them to play it down. I don't have enough to give. I, I only have this portion left. The, the isolation, the removal, the, the, the proclamation and the profession that, that you are miserable. That is so not true. So worthy of, of, of opening up to the world. And here, Acts 5.3, Peter says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart? Listen, guys. When, when you see yourself as not having the capacity to open wide, that's the devil's lie. Why? Because God says be fruitful, be multiply, expand, increase, take the earth by storm. And so the devil wants us to, to limit ourselves. We can't, we, we're not going to multiply, we can barely add, we can't fill nothing, everything has to, that's not the spirit of God. And so he says, how did the devil get into your heart? How have you rejected and transformed the truth of the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself the increase that God had expanded upon you? How, how did you take large portions from God and instead of expanding them to greater resources, you took large portions from God and you turned around and says, I only have two minutes. Listen, you wouldn't even have breath if God hadn't had mercy on you. That's why when, when God, you know, He gave me this huge expanse of, of increase, I turn around and God says, give it to me. Amen. Take it all, Lord. Why? You gave it to me in the first place. Without you, I would have nothing. And with you, all things are mine. And so these men begin to lie to the Holy Spirit. They begin to allow the devil to decrease their thoughts, their expansion. I could only come to church on Sundays and I could barely do that. And, and I got my little chair and oh my God, my Christianity. No, that's not what God has done. 
God has called you that you might be light unto the nations, that you might increase and, and just give everything God has given you, give it away so that others might have hope in this time. They might be filled with the God of, of the universe, the God who has filled you. Do not decrease. Do not minimize. Do not lie to the Holy Spirit. Do not keep for yourselves the lavish uh, generosity of God. Isolation is selfish thinking. He who separates himself is only thinking about himself. I, I, you know, one of the most powerful youth pastors that the Australian church Hillsong had was a young woman. They couldn't find a young man. So this young girl raises up and she says, since there's no youth pastor, I'll be the youth pastor. And it's through her that God causes an explosion on the earth. It is her that allows Hillsong to be what it is today because of one woman who stood up, not thinking of herself, not thinking of her loneliness and her not being married and her being overwhelmed by herself. She gave herself to God. And God just blows up His purposes through her. To this day, that's the witness. Proverbs 18.1, the Bible says, He who separates himself becomes a stranger to God. Why? Because he's not wanting to be part of God's business. He's not wanting to be part of God's kingdom. His isolation is his seeking his own desire. And, and we become experts in the world to doing that, you know, we don't look to the side to, to those that might have a need. We don't, we, don't, we don't stay after church but a second because we might meet a widow who needs some of our help. We might meet an orphan who needs the hug of a father. We might meet a family that is just starting their Christianity and you've already got your fix, so you've got to hurry up because you've got to go to La Carreta for some lunch. And here there's a family that's stricken, that's overwhelmed, that's in the middle of a divorce. You don't have time. And God forbid somebody asks you to come on Wednesday. Why? Because you don't need it. That's, that's the number one reason why people do not come on midweek Bible studies. The answer, I don't need to. Well, did you ever think that somebody needs you to? That there's people here that are, that are dying to get something from you, uh, whether it is right after or right before? If you think of others, you'll never have reason to remove and isolate yourself. Seeking his own desire. It says that he fights with all wise judgment. This is the, the when, I, when I say wise judgment, it's the thoughts of God. You're thinking like God doesn't think. You're reasoning like God doesn't reason. You're considering there is no reason I need to come. And God says there's all reason for you to come that you might be found faithful in the Spirit of God. But the selfish mindset is a result of being far from the Spirit of God. There is no Spirit of God. It's about my family, my ministry, my money, my life, my calling. We have no ability to think as a group through the Spirit of God. We can't think otherwise. And this is not just now in this present season, but if we go to Isaiah 56, you'll see that God says, hey, we are here for the world. We are here for others. We are here for the lost. We're not here for you. You priests, you prophets, you, you didn't become priests and prophets to pro profess prophetic utterances to yourself. I am blessed. I am blessed. No. The, the utterance is that you might speak a word of encouragement to third parties. I love being here on Wednesday night. There was a downpour. 
I finished preaching and I ran over. I finished hearing Garland preach and I ran over, grabbed an umbrella and was taking the widows to their cars in the middle of the rain. I love that. That's why God's spirit is in me so that I might serve those that are around me. I don't care if I'm in Ecuador, Colombia, Hialeah, Switzerland. I'm going to serve those that are around me. Why? Because the spirit of God is upon me to give to others, to be able to, to help those that are surrounding me. That's the spirit of Christ. And so Isaiah 56, it says like this. This is what the Lord says. Keep on doing right. My salvation is closed at hand. My righteousness will be revealed. Verse 2. Blessed are those who are my Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing evil. Verse 3. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. I want you to understand verse 3. There are people around us that think they're not worthy of the Lord. So God says, tell my people that they are the the extension of who I am so that others do not feel they're not worthy. Tell the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord. Thus says the Lord, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. That's such a lie. Nor let the eunuch say, here I am, a dry tree. That's that's not to be. You're not to be a dry tree. You're to be a fruitful tree. And as if you're you're a fruitful tree, what is happening? Are you, ah, look at the fruit. No, people are running to you to satisfy their need, their longing. They're running to you. Pastor, they can't because I get here last and I leave first. I'm, I'm never around, so I, I can't be that fruitful tree that I feel the overwhelming burden for people to eat. As one of the young people in our, in our church here, a 10-year-old little boy walks up to one of the men and says, I want you to be my dad. I want you to be my dad. You know why? Could you even fathom why that child said those words? You want to know why? Because he is being his dad. Because he is around for that kid. Because he does take him to his house. Because he does play with him at the park. Because he does give him a hug when he sees him in church. So that's fruitfulness. That's the expanse. Not a dry tree. Nobody comes up to me, pastor. This is no fruit. Verse 4. For this is what the Lord says to my servants. Make sure you're around. Those of you who choose what pleases me, hold fast to my agreements. To them I will give in my temple and its walls a memorial name better than the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name. They will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister Him, to love His name, to be His servants all the while. And look what he says there in verse 11. We can start verse 10 and 11. He says, My servants, all they do is satisfy themselves. They are dogs with mighty appetites. It's all a devouring for self. They never have enough. They are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look, say, to their own way. Everyone for his own gain. From his own territory. I don't think the Spirit of God has come for that. Verse 12, come, each one cries, let me get wine. Let us drink our fill. Tomorrow will be like today and even far better. 
And you're giving back. Sit there and just. And you're hoarding up for me, for me, for me. And then somebody comes in new and you're like. You just ate it all up. You just ate it all up. I'm reminded of Job being so stricken. He was only caring about him, his family, his altars, his sacrifices, and all things gone. All things gone. And then at the end, when God tries to give him a light, Job 42.10, it says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for others. And when he began to think about others and serving others, the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. In my, my measure is, a, is the abundance. The measure of abundance is the measure of God for our lives. And the right, why it's abundance is because I, from what God gives, I'm going to give. God's portion is not only for, this is, I heard this last night, a preacher say, that's why God has given us two hands, one that we might receive and the other one that we might give. It's not like this. It's one that we might receive. And whatever you have received by grace, give by grace. Give by abundance. Go, go, and if the Lord restored my parents' marriage, I'm going to go and change the world, restoring marriages all over the place. If God has restored my manhood, I'm going to go and teach men how to be men. If God has restored to me how to be a father, I'm going to be a father of nations. And this is not about me. It's about God has bestowed greatly, and I will make myself. You guys should see our schedule. You'll go crazy if you see our schedule. But you know what it is? It's the desire of thinking of others. It's pouring out upon others. It's making ourselves available to others. If I were to take inventory, if I were to take personal inventory, I'd say, sorry, Chris, that we don't have time. Just about, you know, it's all about me because I, I got to rest, I got to eat, I got to make sure I have a retirement account, an SLU and a F4OK and an MLA and a QPD and an RST and, and a, a insurance and an umbrella and three umbrellas and 50 umbrellas and I'm all covered. You're a miserable and wicked man. You're a miserable and wretched and naked and blind man, the Bible says. I have no need, he says. And it's all about him. And so it says in the scriptures here, as Job prayed for others, his fortunes were returned. As he placed his eyes on those around him that were more needy. And I've always been challenged to do that. What, what are the needs of others before my own needs? And if I were to think of my own needs, we wouldn't be here this morning having a feast, a banquet table of the Lord. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 10, Cornelius a centurion who comes up before the presence of God, the angels visit him and says, your life has been come before the Lord as a memorial. I mean, up there in heaven, God cannot believe your generosity, your kindness, your availability. It, God, God is up there and he's marveled at your heart. And so in Acts chapter 10, God reveals himself to Cornelius and says, send for Peter. And Peter comes and in verse 24, this is where I see the heart of this man. And I want to see your heart right there. I want to see you before God as a sweet-smelling sacrifice, as something that comes up before God saying, we got to pour some blessing down there on these people. Because look, the, the, look at how they're living. Acts 10, 24. The following day when Peter comes, he arrived in Caesarea. 
and Cornelius was waiting all by himself because he wanted to hog up everything God was bringing to his house. He was me, myself, and I, right? Read 24. What does it say? He called all his relatives. He called all his friends. He called everyone he knew. He says, come to my house because the visitation of God is going to be large. And the heart of this man was large. And he didn't want to self-consume that blessing he was going to receive. He called together his relatives and close friends. Who have you called? Who have you called? Who are you making provisions for? As soon as we got saved in 1983, my father and mother opened up the house every Saturday morning having a breakfast for all my neighbors, the clients, the patients, the friends, the cousins, the aunts, the uncles, and they were having Bible studies every Saturday for five years so that others might taste the Lord like we were tasting the Lord. They opened their house. They said, Pastor, you got to send an associate pastor down to our house because we want to share with our friends what we're receiving. So God sees that and he blows you up to larger portions. Verse 27, what's it say? Cornelius was waiting for the good news with all his friends and families. And when Peter walked in, he found a few stragglers, a maid, maybe a butler. No. As Peter walked in, as he talked with him, and he went into the house, he saw that many had come together. Oh, Lord, if you could only save my husband. If you could only save my daughter. If you could only save my finances. Lord, if you could care about my business. Listen to me. God wants a prayer where you stand and you say, Lord, save us. Save us from our, our needs. The Spirit of God come upon me that I might think about someone other than me. And he walks in the house and he sees many there. Uh, one of the virgins says he found a large gathering of people. A large gathering of people. Let's, let's purpose in our hearts. You know, it, it's, somebody just telling me, Pastor, do you want a large church? Yes, I want a large church. If anybody has left this church, I'm going to tell you something. If anybody has left this church, it's because they were thinking about me, myself, and I. That's it. This is my portion. Why, why do you want to bother me if I'm already... Listen, I cannot sit there and see a selfish pig. I cannot. I don't want to gather with a selfish pig that only cares about their family, their finances, their ministry, their goals. No. There's a team. There's a world-changing team. And we're all part, and we want to bring more on the team. There's no ball hogs in this place. Let's all stand and say, Spirit of God, fall afresh on me. Fall afresh that my thoughts might be your thoughts, that my ways might be your ways, that my fruitfulness be your fruitfulness. Let's ask the worship team to come forward here. And this is, the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So this is not, this is not an accusation finger. This is an encouragement so that you might take a more excellent way. That you might take a more excellent path. If you still do not serve in the house of the Lord, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a place of service. Serve your brother and sister. Fight for your families, but fight for the other families. And rise up and take a spot. Because there's many things that, that are yet to come. And we, as we form this world-changing, fruitful body of people, those that are added to us by the Lord, We'll, we'll also call the, the multiplication. I love recently, um, 
There was, there, there, you know, that the one person will sit there and say, I, I need to bring a friend. Let, let, let me bring a friend over. And let me bring his friend also. Let me bring him over. Let them get some of this stuff that I'm getting. To be like the Samaritan woman who, who wasn't just there about her. She was crying for a whole city and she garnered a whole city. But when I see a Judas spirit, when I see uh, uh, an Ananias spirit, uh, when I see a spirit like Achan, when we see the spirits that are, that are dwarfed, that are midget because they don't understand the vast resources of our God, it really crushes my heart. As we sing this song, I want you to come before the presence of God and say, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Transfer my thoughts. Allow me to have the lavish generosity that you have had with me. You have so bestowed your largeness on me. Who am I that I might decrease the fruit? That I might stand sterile and barren? That it's not flowing through me in grace. I'm serving no one but myself. When somebody comes to the house of the Lord and they tell me nothing is going right for me, I can't find a job, I, I don't have any money, you know what I tell them? Start serving someone for free. Start serving someone. Do something for someone other than yourselves. And you'll see how your branches begin to blossom and flourish and fill the baskets of the Lord. That young man who brought the two fish and the five loaves after he had 12 baskets of bread. Why? Because he began to be fruitful in his generosity. The Spirit of the Lord took over. And he began to increase and impact 5,000 with his two fish and five bread. Now he had 12 baskets. I'm sure he went over to the next village. And he says, all you can eat because my God is faithful. My God is faithful to expand and increase who I am and what I do. Let's go ahead and sing to the Lord.